hey, you know what I believe? I believe every single person can make a difference and that we all have something amazing to offer the world. I believe in standing up for what matters and in putting one foot in front of the other. I believe courage is way more important than confidence and I'm addicted to seeing people break through what they once thought they couldn't. And that's why I started this podcast. I want you to believe in yourself. I want you to know that anything's possible. I want you to find the courage to stand up and do your thing. Everything's waiting for you. You just have to believe it's possible. I'm Karen Vaughan. This is the Get Off The Bench podcast. And here is where your courageous life starts. Hey guys, and welcome back to another week of the Get Off The Bench podcast. You know, when I started this podcast, it was going to be about uh, showcasing people who have you know, gotten their dream out of their head onto paper and into action because I absolutely believe that everybody has got a dream inside of them and a lot of the time it never comes to fruition. So starting this podcast, I was hoping that that, you know, the stories might inspire people. But also, you know, there's that when you're not living your dream and then there's a situation of adversity and that kicks you into gear like, well, life's too short, you know, I, I'm just going to start it because, you know, the, the, this ad- adverse situation has, has prompted me to realise that it's important to live my life. Then there's the next level again is when somebody is already living their dream, they have a situation of adversity and then they have to learn to rebuild their life again so that they can go back to living their dreams again. And today's guest, uh, Cody Burns, is the epitome of that. He has um, was living the life, went through a horrific accident and had to rebuild everything. So let me tell you about him. You, you, this is mind-blowing, this story. So Cody Burns is an award-winning speaker and performer with over 16 years of professional experience. Cody's life underwent a major shift in 2013 after an horrific accident left his body burned and scarred. After years of countless surgeries and innumerable physical and emotional hurdles, Cody has since founded his own non-profit, Burn Foundation, and is on a mission to spread his story of inspiration, hope, and recovery to everyone he meets. He is also the author of the best-selling book, Scar Release. Cody does not let his scars dictate his identity. He encourages a life of freedom and wants to help people live free from the bonds of scars. Wow. This will blow your mind. Welcome, Cody. Oh, thank you for having me. It's such a pleasure. Uh, oh, <laughs> it's my pleasure. I can tell you, you you're an absolute superstar and I... I you know, I'm so glad that we connected and just so glad because your story is, ah, oh, wow. And I just, as I just said in the intro, you know, some people uh, wait for adversity to for things to happen. You were living the dream and then adversity came and just absolutely <laughs> pummeled you. And then, you know, it's how do you, how do you re- rebuild that life? It's absolutely fascinating. And I'm so glad you're still here to tell talk about it and I don't know how you are because I've seen the footage and I I it's beyond me how I I actually think you might have had a bit of divine help there to be honest but you know 
it's uh, so, so that you would be a messenger of good. But um, wow. Anyway, glad to have you. Well, I am glad to be here and absolutely all the way. And, and, and as we was talking before we went live, um, I'm here in the Tampa, Florida area. And uh, I certainly cannot wait to make my way over to Australia. Uh, yep. I've always heard great things. And so that's going to be such a pleasure to be able to meet you in person sometime. Yep. And uh, yeah, and thank you for your kind words. It has been a, a long journey, an interesting journey at that. Um, always having a vision to give hope to people. A lot of that came as a little boy growing up. I actually grew up in Indiana yep. and Indiana is Southern part of Indiana and uh, just very fascinated. It had a wild imagination, still do. And I became interested in entertaining. And actually, my family took me to the circus as a little boy. And I uh, fell in love with the performance arts. And I seen a juggler there, a juggler. And I was like, okay, I want to do that. And so I told my mom and dad, I said, I want to learn how to juggle. So they bought me three balls and I began to teach myself. And then a couple of years later, I went to a kid's camp. And it was there I seen a speaker a camp speaker and he, you know, did motivation and his message was to give us kids a message of hope. And he used that, or sorry, he taught that message with a special skill and it was juggling. And so I seen how he combined the two and something on the inside of me said that that's what I'm going to be doing someday. And so all through my young years, I pursued that. And it, it was always one of those things that I wanted to give hope to people. And so up until the point of 23, I had spoken to thousands of children, kids' camps, conferences, all kinds of venues. And so it was very, very remarkable, but very rewarding because I knew I was living my life on purpose. And I know there's many people in today's world, they may find themselves in that place. They may not quite yet. Maybe they're searching. Uh, but whatever the case, when when you get on that path to where you, were, to where you know why you was born, oh, there's nothing like it. Yeah, <laughs> I absolutely agree. And you were a children's pastor as well before that. Yes. We'll talk about the accident in a minute, but because it is mind blowing. It really is. But you were a pastor as well. So you wanted to give not just give the message of hope through any. Well, you do do it through any conversations and any talk, any presentations, but you specifically had an interest in faith and, you know, wanted to um help children through. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So as, so actually at that camp and, and it was actually a Christian camp. And so the speaker was, he was a Christian speaker. I always say motivation because it was a very motivational, but at the same time, it was giving us kids that message of salvation. You know, the greatest hope we can ever have in today's world is through what Jesus did for us. And so that ministered to me. And, and it, so I, I felt called to do ministry work, to share the gospel uh, at a very young age. And so you know, even though I had done a lot of secular events and, and I, I mean, even today I, I'm speaking for corporate events, universities, mm. and I respect everyone where they stand, but um, ultimately at the core of who I am, it's, it's what I believe God is designed for me to do. Mm. And so um, it, at age 23, um, when my life drastically changed during this time, I was speaking at kids camps, ministering. I'm also speaking in a lot of churches, schools, universities. It was really starting to build and take off. And I even started to do some international stuff. In April of 2013, I was doing some work in Cuba. We was administering and working with children, thousands of kids and leaders, but I was doing the juggling. And all at the same time, I was a children's pastor. So I was very, very uh, blessed to work at a church that allowed me that flexibility to yeah. travel. But on a weekly basis, I was working with kids nonstop. And it was a lot of fun because I knew um, I was fulfilling that plan that God has called, always called me to do. Mm. 
Yeah. And I love what I love what you're saying there too. In um, I think you know, a really key message is that you respect everyone for their beliefs and for what they do. Um, and but but for you at the core of you, that's what you believe. And I think you know we'd be we'd be such a better world if if it doesn't matter. No one, ha- not everybody has to be the same same as you, or not everybody has to be the same as everybody else. But if everybody understood who they were at the core and truly valued who they were at the core, you know, they would be in such a better position to, to give so much more strength and, and messages of hope to the world. I, and I love that you're saying that. Let's, let's uh, talk about this uh, oh, age 20. I keep saying, oh, oh. and I tell you what, guys, the reason I keep saying this is because you've got to go follow Cody on Instagram I'll give that at the end. But anyway, it's just Cody. I think it's the Cody Burns. Yeah, the Cody Burns with a Y. And go and follow him on Instagram. And when you, there's a clip on there, a news clip of what he's about to talk about. And you will sit there with your mouth open like I have. I've watched it several times. And all I can say is I do not know how, how he's still alive. So, Cody, tell us about that accident that absolutely changed your life. Yes, yes. And so, um, as I shared, you know, working with children, fulfilling that call that I always believed uh, I'm, I'm here on this earth to do. And I knew that it was going to be more than just adults. It was, or sorry, more than just children. It was going to be adults and teenagers. And I knew it was going to be international. And so I was on that per, that plan, fulfilling that vision that I had for my, uh, what I believe God had given to me. But at age 23, working at the church amongst doing all these things, life has really taken off. It was a uh, May 31st. It was May 31st, 2013, and I was driving on a highway, Highway 41 in Indiana, and I was headed back to my church office, and I was stopped at a red light on the highway, and I was rear-ended by a refrigerator box truck that was going full highway speed oh. and at about 60, 65 miles per hour. It showed no signs of stopping. And so everything that I share about this is strictly from police reports, first responders, and so I don't remember anything. I just remember driving and then everything goes black, almost as if I didn't exist. It's very difficult to explain. And the next thing I know is I'm coming to out of a coma, out of life support three weeks later. Uh, but what I am told is that I was stopped at this red light, hit by the box truck. When the box truck hit my uh, car, now I was in a Dodge Durango and there are images online that people can see as well as the video footage that you had mentioned and the sheriff's department took hundreds of these. And I'm so glad that they did because it would be very difficult to explain what happened to me without having those images. And and I'm still just amazed uh, to see that, to to think that I survived such an incident. And so my car blew up into a big fireball and there was actually a van in front of me and it was like a ripple effect. So when the truck hit my Dodge, my Dodge blows up, but it also pushed the van that was in front of me into to one side of the intersection and mine went into an embankment. And so it was there when the first responders arrived on the scene, they said, it's just, a, it's a fatality. They had then called the coroner and they had uh, just assumed I was dead just by the looks of it. And if you see those images, you can understand as to why. And so the, the, the person that was in the van, they was helping them out. Fortunately, they were okay. Uh, but I, on the other hand, was left for dead until they saw my hand move. And there were images online where you can actually see my hand on the steering wheel. 
And it was that little bit of movement that changed everything for me. And so I always talk about, you know, what can a little bit of movement Mm. do for us in our situations? And, you know, in that moment for me, I believe with all my heart, God came to my rescue. Mm. I don't remember none of it. But the uh, firefighters and the police, they all said I was talking to them. I told them who I was, where I worked, everything. Wow. I don't remember none of it. And so it's, it's amazing how the body works, mm. uh, but they got me out and they put me, it took them an hour to get me out of this thing. Oh. They uh, put me on a stretcher. They life flighted me to the burn unit in Indianapolis, Indiana. And it was there where I was placed into the coma on full life support. I had severe burn injuries. Uh, I was in critical condition. I, a um, couple different times what my family shares is that they came very close to losing me. And I had a blood infection. I had um, two types of pneumonia. I had fought all kinds of different infections and I had broken vertebrae. And then I had the severe burn injuries. And that was the the most critical uh, with with this incident. My face had second degree burns, which second degree does not scar. And then I had third degree and fourth degree burns. I never knew there was such a thing as a fourth degree burn. Uh, but they exist. And what that is, is it burns through all of your fat cells down to bone and muscle. And in some cases it requires amputation. And so my injuries were on my, my arms, my hands. I have some on my left side, my lower back, my entire left leg and my right foot. And my right leg has some uh, third degree scars. And so it was a very, very intense 40% total body, uh, body surface level was was uh, damaged. And so it was a a long, long recovery. I was in the burn unit for two and a half months. And then I had to go to a rehabilitation center where I was constantly monitored by nurses and doctors. It was an in-stay. I had to relearn to walk. I had to relearn to use my hands, use the restroom on my own, all the basics. And then I had to do another almost two years of nonstop outpatient physical and occupational therapy and many, many surgeries. It was a long, long road to recovery. And I still have to monitor my scars, but I am now, uh, as what the doctors would say, recovered as I can be. And, uh, Mm. but this whole experience, it has really taught me a lot about life Mm. and really put me on that path to further enhance the vision that I always had for myself. And that was Mm. to give hope. Wow. I mean, I'd never heard of fourth degree burns until, you know, until, until I met you and it's like, (laughs) what's fourth degree burns. And that, it just sounds, um, you know, so painful. I know you don't, you know, don't remember anything. That's it. That's incredible what you're saying that you were speaking to them, you know, and yet for you, everything was black and it is incredible what the body can do you know, to, to, I don't know, as a coping mechanism, you know, just to get us through a particular situation that is, I, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a big um, religious person at all, but I do believe it was divine intervention because I, there's not, I I've seen that footage and I just think I, there's no way, there is no way that you could have got it. And I can't even believe your face wasn't burned because to be in that fireball, I mean, it was burned, but you know, to not to be so bad because to be in that fireball, um, your face is so sensitive and not covered up. You know, I, it's, 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 it's mind blowing, but that, um, what are your thoughts when you, you know, I know you, 
I know you don't want to rehash this all the time, but you, it is part of your life. It is part of your story. Um, there's a lot of trauma attached to it. But do you ever lie in bed and ever just really reflect on that moment that your, your hand moved and thought, wow, what if it didn't? You know, do you ever think about that? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, cause, cause we, and I think, you know, this side of heaven, I'll never fully know what happened in that moment. And mm. the body is very fascinating how it does it, it mm. copes and you it's survival. It goes yeah. to survival mode, so to speak. And, and so I do, I, I wonder about that. And, and if in the fire department, they told me, they said, they said, Cody, you know, if we hadn't seen your hand move, we know that you would have burned up that day. It would have mm. been, we wouldn't have, we, we would have, it would have taken them more time. They would not have rushed to, I mean, they rushed to the scene, obviously, but it wasn't, they knew the other person in the, in the van in front of in the vehicle in front of me, she was fine. Uh, but they wanted to help her because they just already assumed I was dead. And so, and also too, they're wanting to protect themselves and so forth. But uh, they, they told me, they said that, that movement, it really did. It, it made a difference. And so they actually, um, all the fire department, um, everyone, the men and the women that served that day, I've gotten to talk with all of them and it still brings a lot of them to tears and mm. it's impacted each of their lives uh, drastically. And the, the, the chief uh, firefighter, he still to this day, he says that that is, was the greatest, most powerful recovery in my whole career. And in our hometown in Indiana, that made the news, it made the records for one of the most intense, severe uh, crashes they ever encountered and it's quite remarkable to mm. see where i am today versus what had happened to me oh look i just find it 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 it, it makes i don't know I, i'm almost speechless I, I remember you know you know we were we were we connected you know and it was kind of like oh wow you know the cody's he's got this story he was burned and i thought wow that's a great story you know that's how do you survive that how do you even Oh my God, that's for me, that's such a fear. You know, like that's such a horrid thing to have to go through. And then when I saw that footage, I'm like, oh God, you know, my heart was just like, I, I seriously just stopped and sat there with my mouth open and watched it over and over and thought, I just, I, I've got no words for this. It's just, and I showed my partner who's like, wow what how do you live through that and I'm like I don't know anyway <laughs> but you did but um you know do you did you when you when you came to you know after the coma and thank I just you know th thank thank god we we have such a great medical system that they can put us in a coma to recover because if we were awake and aware of all this you know our bodies would go into shock you know it's such a such an incredible medical thing that they can do do you uh when you came out of the coma what's what do you remember do you remember do you remember pain do you remember confusion do you know where am i what happened to me yeah that's a that's a great question i'm glad you asked it because i always share the story um about my mother and specifically my whole family we're all very very close and even still to this day and my mom i remember her telling me specifically whenever i came to you know, Cody, you have, uh, you've been in a very bad car accident. Your, your vehicle was hit by a box truck. Your car exploded into flames. You have severe burn injuries. You're here in the burn unit in Indianapolis, your recovery. It's not going to be an easy journey, but no matter what, and this, these words are powerful, no matter what, do not lose sight of your vision. 
And mm. those words still to this day, they stick with me. And I think about how in life, it's always important for all of us that we have individuals to encourage us when life knocks us down to not lose sight of our vision and what is most important. And, you know, as a speaker and every opportunity I have to share with people, I always say I'm in the reminder business, reminding everyone to keep their focus on what truly matters in this life. And, but by my mom telling me that, you know, she knew and understood just how easy it would have been for me to give up and play the victim card. And I had every right. And there's a lot of people in today's world that if they look at their situation, their circumstances, they may have every right to play the victim. But my mom believed that there was something greater on the other side for her son. And just as she believed in me, I believe in all of humanity. I believe that each of us, there's something great that could come out on the other side of our pain. It's all a matter of pressing through and not losing sight of what matters the most. But I certainly did. It was an interesting journey because one moment I'm grateful to be alive. And then the next moment I'm depressed. And I I, I went through, through those emotions and I'm thinking, oh, here I am. Why me? Why did this happen to me? This was not part of the plan. I didn't see this coming. And I think even in today's world with COVID and all the, the, the natural disasters that we see and things that are going on, death and sickness and uh, other sorts of, of, of trauma, we, we find ourselves asking those kind of, kind of questions. This was not part of the plan. Why me? You know, there's good people out there that are encountering pain and suffering. And, and it's one of those things we have to understand, no matter I'm a good person or if I'm a bad person, everyone's going to go through pain. And pain takes form in different ways. And we, we put labels on it. Well, this person's pain was more significant than mine. But pain is pain. And it hurts for all of us. And each person in today's world, they all have a story. And I think the power of what I went through is that I find the connection between the physical scars and the emotional scars. And many people in today's world, if they're being honest with themselves, they have found themselves burned in some way, if you will burn to some degree. And these burning moments in life, they often leave us scarred and changed for forever. And But it's all a matter of not allowing those scars to keep us limited in the pursuit of our goals, our dreams, and being happy mm. and having that joy. And so my, my big purpose as a speaker and everything I do is I want to help people break free from yesterday's troubles and the trauma they may have encountered so that they can live the life they've always wanted to live. Mm. Wow. It, it's, a, it's incredible. And when you say, you know, we, we, you're entitled to be a victim, you know, you're talking about mm. that. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, a lot of people do go down that path because it's actually easier, you know, it's, it's much easier to sit, well, seemingly easier like the the perception is it's easier for me to just complain about what's wrong and for me to um you know I've got a right I'm entitled to complain about my what's happened to me on the on the other side of that but there's not much joy in that you know it's it's a constant negative constant like hold you down depression you know that sort of stuff on the opposite side of that is well you know I can hold on to my vision I can recover and I can bring hope and everything else but there is so much more work in that, even though it's a thousand times more rewarding. 
And, you know, when you're talking about your journey, you know, one day you're up, you know, yes, I'm going to do this. I'm powerful. I'm courageous. I'm brave. You know, I'm, I'm strong. But then the next day it's like, I'm completely depressed. Why me? This shouldn't have happened. You know, it's totally, totally thrown everything out. Um, I had so much to give and now it's just taken away. I mean, you, you, it, that in itself, that roller coaster in itself is exhausting to, you know, so even, and it's going to happen whether whether I say it's exhausting or not. I can't change that, but it's it's uh, you know I can't just say so. Everybody, don't do that. You know, like it's going to happen because that's what uh, being in hospital and, and that kind of stuff does. But I think there's if you can push through the the reward is just a thousand times better than the convenience of sitting in in victim mode but you burnt um so you're talking before that you're a juggler and you know that was something that really resonated from you for you as a kid and you know you wanted to replicate this guy you know juggling uh, giving the message you know bringing joy and everything else and so that was a significant part of you you know that that's I'm not saying your, your whole identity, but, you know, you identified as, hey, I'm a juggler that brings message of hope and blah, blah, blah. But now your hands are completely burned and completely, um, you know, not working, um, you know, that you don't even know if they're going to work because there's so much damage to them. Did at any point you start to think, I'm never going to be a juggler again, and that completely disheartened you or... Will you determine, no, I'll find a way or both? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, that's a, that's a good question. I'm glad you asked that too. Cause that is, that's, that was always an important part. You know, I think we all find those hobbies and things that we enjoy. And, mm. and for me growing up, I didn't really even need an audience. You just give me an empty room and I'll go in there and I'll juggle. <laughs> it was my golf or my, uh, you know, basketball, the athletic, that I, the, the sport I enjoyed, if you will. And, and so it was a big, big question because my hands were severely burned and my family tells me uh, that they wanted to actually amputate three of my fingers. The surgeons did because the injuries were so mm. hardcore and they were able to save my fingers. And then, so if there's people that are able to see this footage here, the video, you can actually see my hands. Mm. And so they wanted to amputate these two fingers and my uh, pinky and they were able to save them, but they don't move like they used to. So I have a different way of making a fist and, and moving around certain things like that don't bend like it used to. So I've had to adapt to these injuries and new ways of doing stuff. But, you know, considering with the injuries, I remember I did a uh, presentation for when my, I was at a large venue and my surgeons were there, they came to see it and I did juggling and they were just amazed at the fact that, I'm still able to do the things that I once did. Now, there are some tricks and things that I can't do that I used to be able to, but I have adapted and I make the most of what I can do. And I think mm. that in itself is a powerful message for many people. And mm. so I can still juggle uh, to kind of paint the image uh, before the before I was severely burned. I did like five flaming torches, and <laughs> you know, knives and all kinds of stuff. And I, I mean, I got always... As I shared, I always had a, a big desire, a big interest in performance arts. I have a lot of friends that worked with Ringling Brothers, Cirque du Soleil, a lot of these famor, famous circuses. And um, they they even heard about all that I went through. And I got to work with some of these people before the injury. I got to do some uh, what they would call spot dates where I'd fly out. I'd do a show for a weekend and I'd come back home and 
I'd be back to being a children's pastor again. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, but, but now I kind of, whenever I go speaking at places, I incorporate comedy and I'll do some juggling, but everything I do, it, it's really just a backup of point. It also breaks the ice. It keeps people intrigued and kind of on the edge of their seat. What is Cody going to do next? But through it all, they're learning something of value. And uh, I have so much fun doing it because adults are really no different than children. They're, <laughs> the attention span of people is just, it's so little nowadays. Yeah. And so I do everything I can to keep them, to keep them interested yeah. uh, in including those things. Yeah, I totally, I, I'm the same as a speaker. It's kind of like they're not going to take their eyes off the stage because what am I going to do next or say next? <laughs> you, have to do, you have to do that. But a lot of people would say, well, I can never be a juggler again. That's it. You know, poor me kind of thing. But I just love that the, the, from the flame throwing and the knife throwing, you know, you've said, well, now I can't, you know, now I can only get three balls or whatever and I can only mildly juggle it. And I think that's a really key point is that sometimes that we, Sometimes when tragedy happens, we can't ever go back to, you know, the full full version of what we were doing. But is it the full version of what we were doing that actually truly made us happy? Or was it just the action of being able to do this kind of motion that was, you know, kept us sort of almost in a meditative state, you know, like just doing something for ourselves? And when your hands were damaged, did you actually try to pick up the balls and have a go and started dropping them and started feeling like this is never going to happen again? I sure did. And that was that was a very difficult moment for me because, mm -hmm. Uh, up until that point, you know, doing all these things, as long as share, along with sharing the message, uh, you know, I, I, I took great uh, pride in, in what I did. And I, you know, I got to where I was juggling seven balls and doing all kinds of stuff. And I had some friends that were performers and they come to visit, they came to visit me whenever I was in the rehab and they brought me three little bean bags. And I said, I want to try to juggle. And at the time I had garments on. I mean, I was wrapped like a mummy for months yeah. trying to heal my, my scars and these injuries. Yeah. But I had pins in my fingers from where they wanted to amputate them. And so they couldn't bend. They still can't fully function like they once did. But I had these pins in my hands. And I said, well, I still I want to try. I want to at least try. And I give it a whirl and I just kept dropping. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. So I, I literally had to reteach myself how to juggle. And a lot of juggling is muscle memory. So it, it wasn't as difficult, but it was still very challenging because everything weakened and, and learning to adapt to the scars now on my hands and, and how they stretch and how they, you know, allow your joints to move. And, and now these fingers don't bend like they used to. So I had to kind of get used to a new way of doing stuff, but you know, it, it's, it's very, uh, it's, it's interesting, but I think, what really helped me is that the juggling was associated with my overall mission of what I always wanted to do. And, you know, the, the juggling is a lot of fun because it is a hobby, but at the same time, to me, even though I'm, I'm doing these things, I love performing, but my whole reason for performing and doing these things was to give people hope. It was the message. I was using it with the message. And so it kind of, that kind of helped me you know, get through it. Mm. And also too, I think there's, there's power in just knowing that if I see an, another juggler today and he's doing, let's say he's having all kinds of fun doing all these props. I'm like, you know what? I could do that. But you know, I, th I think there's just something of like, uh, there, there's sometimes there's just enough sad, there's enough gratification in just knowing, yeah, I could do that. But yeah. you know, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm content with who I am and where I'm at because the message is still 
going forward and people are being encouraged. And that's what I've always wanted. Yeah. And I, I totally get this because, you know, I was a singer for years and years and years. And a few years ago, I had my thyroid and I can't sing anymore. And so it's kind of like that entire identity is lost, you know. And, and during COVID, I sang, you know, one song a day because that's about all I can get out. And it's kind of like, but now I, I speak a lot more and I train a lot more. So I think it's, it's just a matter of, um, you know, there's not only one road to what makes you happy, do you know? So, so the feeling you would have got from juggling seven flames, you know, compared to, or whatever flames, compared to the three beanbags now is still the same feeling, you know, you're still going to the same destination. You know, this is how I feel when I do it. I'm just doing it differently. For me, you know, I'm not, I'm still on stage, I'm entertaining, I'm performing, uh, you know, I'm inspiring people and it's just not through song, it's through word, do you, you know? And I think that sometimes we have to be prepared to, say, well, that's not the journey I planned and that's not the pathway I planned. However, there is another way for me to still get to that place and still feel that feeling of joy, you, you, you know, even though I'm doing it in a, in a different way. So I, I really love that. I love that message. When you, um, you know, you, you're being a, pa a children's pastor, before the accident, you would have been sharing your message in, in one way. I'm curious as to whether that message or the delivery of that message changed after the accident. That's a good question too. Um, so it's, you know, as I share, you know, I also growing up and doing a lot of things in the church, I had done things for schools and multiple different backgrounds uh, with people. Uh, but, you know, sharing that message, it was always just giving hope. And obviously I still, I'll speak, you know, the Christian message, but more more now it's really in the corporate world universe and even in schools colleges and it's been very remarkable to see the transition as i shared you know before the incident before the accident happened i always knew that it was going to be an international ministry or an international speaking career if you will mm -hmm. and i knew it was going to get big but i didn't quite understand how it was going to get to that level and, you know, juggling and doing comedy and have, you know, you that'll get you so far and you could do pretty be successful in motivating people through that. But I think what happened to me and how it allowed me to grow into mature in ways, it really enhanced the overall vision. And that was to give hope. And granted, when this all went down, I had a lot of mentors, people that were encouraging me. And they didn't allow me to stay in those moments of my depression, my defeat. They kept encouraging me, Cody, you need to pick this up. And that, that thought of, I remember I was in rehab and I'd gotten a garbage bag full of get well cards from a kid's camp that I had spoken wow. to yeah. all these kids, you know, get well, Cody, we're praying for you. We, we want to see you recovered. And I thought to myself, you know, all these children that I once had the privilege of speaking to. They're now watching my response to this tragedy. And I think everyone in life, when we're going through the motions of life and when life is good, we can talk something all day long. But then when tragedy strikes and rubber hits the road, our faith, our message, our overall mission is put to the test. And it was in those moments I had to really sit back and look at within myself and say, all right, well, what is the overall message I want to give? And it was to give hope. And I thought, what better opportunity than to utilize this traumatic experience as an opportunity to do just that, to give hope, not only to these children, but then you've got teenagers. I have adults. People just start reaching out and naturally it just opens up more and more doors. And the story, because it is so traumatic and the scar topic is so large, 
it allows me to go in areas that I wouldn't have um, if I hadn't gone through this, such as correctional facilities, wow. hospitals, uh, nurses, doctors. A lot of people are very interested in this. And so it, it has allowed me to grow and to expand to where, you know, on my message and my, yeah, the message, the story, it's being streamed to hundreds of thousands of people all around the world. And it's been very remarkable to see that. Wow. Wow. It's amazing. Do you, you wrote the book then you've got, you're the author of the best-selling book, Scar Release. Tell us, um, did you ever imagine you would write a book and you know, what, why, what, what was the catalyst that you said, right, that's it. I'm going to write a book because. <laughs> yes. Yes. And that's a good question. So I have a copy of it and it's Scar Release, Breaking Free of Yesterday's Troubles. Yep. And I, I never really did quite see myself as writing a book, to be honest with you. But then, like I said, all these mentors and people, they just naturally say, Cody, you need to write something. Yeah. And it's not a very big book, but it, it has been very, it's had great responses. And I do see myself writing more in the future, but it has it's been a definite growing experience mm -hmm. and a very therapeutic in ways just to write out the, the, the story and what I can remember from this experience. But I also want to write it in a way where it's not about me. It's truly about connecting with the reader and finding the metaphors and the analogies to really connect with them, to hit home in their life and their situation. Mm -hmm. And so the whole title, Scar Release, it's actually named after a surgical procedure that they do on burn survivors. And as a burn survivor, I have contracture scars. And it's after they do skin grafts, they put them on, and then as the skin heals, it forms contracture scars. When a contracture scar occurs over the top of a joint, it can limit the mobility of that joint. And I always share the story of how I was going in. The therapist, they would work with my hands, trying to get my hand just to make a fist was very, very challenging. And my web spaces had contracted to the point where I couldn't even stretch it out to hold on to a bottle of water. And I had to go in and they had to do surgery on me. The surgeons assessed me. They were also plastic surgeons. And so they said, we're going to need to do a surgical contracture release or otherwise known as a scar release. And what that is, they go in and they cut the scar at the root and yeah. it allows you to be mobile again. So it frees you up. But a scar release procedure does not remove the appearance of a scar. It allows the mobility to move with the scar. And so I take that and I connect it to everyone in life. There's many people that have had scars occur in different joints. Maybe it was in childhood, maybe it was in their marriage a bad business deal, whatever it may be. And if they're not careful, those scars can contract and, and keep them limited in their everyday life. And my whole point of, of that being is get to the root of the situation, find whatever it is that's keeping you immobile and address it. Maybe you need to forgive somebody. Maybe you need to learn to love yourself despite the scars that you carry because scars, they are permanent. Uh, we can't escape them, whether they be physical or emotional, but it's all a matter of not allowing those scars to keep us from the blessings of today. Mm. And so I, I think that's ultimately the message I wanted to get out of that. And so it's, it's had a great response and mm. I, uh, I, I hope and pray that it encourages a lot of people. And it has been. Mm. That's actually a really fantastic analogy. <laughs> I really, 
Really like that. I've been meaning to get that book. I haven't got it yet, but I am going to get it because it's um just a, just a fascinating fascinating story, but fascinating concept, and also the fact that um the analogy that you're attaching to it. I think that you're right. Everybody does have scars, and and you can't get rid of them. But it's how we deal with them, and and that doesn't mean it's easy either. By the way, you know, and not only that, sometimes we don't know what's at the root of them. You know, sometimes um, we can be wanting to get rid of it, but we we just don't, you, you know, it's so far buried in our uh, unconscious that we got, haven't even got any clue where to start. But um, at the end of the day, if we can forgive and we can let go, um, you know, what a better life. Do you think um, all of this happened uh, to you or for you? Mm, that is a great question. Oh, I, I love that. No, that, that that is so powerful. And it reminds me. So one of my mentors, he actually he passed back in 2019, Dr. Sean Stevenson, mm -hmm. an amazing speaker and did a lot of great things. But he always said actually on his deathbed, his whole motto was that this is happening uh, to or for me and not to me. Mm -hmm. And on his deathbed, he, he, he had a fragile bone disorder. He was only three foot three foot tall his whole life. And uh, he ended up passing because of a, a head injury. He, he had fell out of his wheelchair and broke his skull. And the ending, ending words he said to his wife was, this is happening for me and not to me. And I think it's a very powerful, powerful thought if we think about it in such a way. He also had given me a powerful quote that was, and, and the lady that, that said it, her name is Caitlin Walsh. And it says, the key to success is playing the hand you were dealt like it was the hand that you wanted. And I, I think in this case with me, I, it's really just a matter of shifting my perspective on this mm. and using it to serve to my benefit. And so where I'm at today, I believe with all my heart that this happened for me and not to me. It happened for the world as a whole, because pain is one of our greatest teachers and it allowed me to grow and form this message or get richer. I should say the message got richer, more authentic and real. And just, it really um, connects more with people that, yeah. than, than what it would have. And so, you know, it allowed me to also form these epic steps. And so whenever I go and I speak at places, I always tell people I have an epic life game plan. And, and so there's people, if they're interested, they can, the, the, they can actually download this. It's a free download, epiclifegameplan.com. And EPIC is an acronym, and the E stands for Embrace Challenges. Mm -hmm. We must understand that challenges will always present themselves at one level or another. We just have to learn to accept that fact. Mm -hmm. And then we have the P, which is Provide Perspective. Mm -hmm. How can I reframe my pain? Look at this situation differently. What are the lessons I can learn through this difficult experience? And then we have the I, which is Implement Change implement implementing these lessons to our life mm -hmm. and then we have the c which is celebrating celebrating our mm -hmm. story celebrating the fact that you're here that you're alive and out of that celebration we're serving others we're serving others and so i have seen this that to really just be the the formula in which i live my life by and and so it, it's it occurs a lot of people whether it be in your personal or professional life but i think there's power when we can go from in embracing our scars or our story to celebrating our scars and our story and out of that we're serving others because you know my scars they represent the hell that god brought me out of and there's many people in today's world that need that kind of hope they mm -hmm. need 
to say they need to see the scars that if you can, if you made it, so can I. Yeah. And I think I think there's there's um, such love and, and 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 grace power when we can understand that we're not in this world for our for ourselves uh, alone. We're here to really give to others because life is short. No matter if we live a hundred years, it still doesn't seem like it's enough time. And so each of us, we, we want to, you know, it's, and it boils down to the person. How do you want to live your life? Do you want to make, and, and for me, I want to make the most of it. I want to make an impact, a positive impact on our world today. And I want to be remembered as somebody that didn't give up. When, when life got tough and all the children and teenagers, adults that have the opportunity to see me and hear my story, that's really what I want to do because mm -hmm. um, I know that someday I won't be here. Uh, but ultimately the message and the story that I shared, I want that to last. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. I agree with you. It's about that's, I think that's, if we can understand that we're here to serve and there's, we, our lives are so much richer and have so much more meaning while we're serving and, and to leave that legacy or that message that will outlive you. Do you know, I always have that philosophy. I'm going to plant the tree of the shade. I'll never sit under, you know, because mm. when I'm gone, I still want that message, you know, my message to be out there. I love what you're saying about that epic game plan. I'm going to look that up and I will definitely put that in the show notes. That sounds fantastic. And I love when you're saying, you know, because people do get stuck in the two. This happened to me. It's not fair. Why me? It shouldn't have happened. It sucks, blah, blah. And I get it. But um, when we can shift from this happened to me, to this happened for me, and then we move that. Um, now this is happening from me. You know, when we're, we're like giving the message, life is um, life is rich. Do you know? And it's really, but it's not just rich for us. It's it, it really lights a fire in the belly. You know, of the people listening to that, and because they feel a genuine love. You're not just you're not just up there preaching words and telling them this and that. You're actually. When you when it's for you and from you, you're giving this love energy that people can actually feel, you know, and it really truly lights their lights their fire. And I I I love that. I love it. Now further to all this, because I mean, as if we haven't covered uh, so much fantastic stuff anyway. Uh, you've also in 2016 you founded a not for profit, um, the CB. So the Cody Burns Foundation and to help burn survivors recover. Tell us about that. Yes, and 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 that I'm I'm glad you mentioned that. So that's something too. Every every time I speak and and a lot of what I what I do, it's all about giving. And and so that was a wonderful opportunity that that came to me. Actually, my burn surgeon that had worked on me, he had shared some of his ideas and and he's seen there can be a, a big collaboration amongst, you know, working with children in my background mm -hmm. to well, how we could help people today. And, mm -hmm. and so a lot of nonprofit groups, they have, you know, they've hooked up with me. I've gotten to speak for other uh, nonprofit uh, burn foundations and conferences, and it's been able to really just encourage people. And so what we do is we help fund survivors, whether it be young or old, to go to conferences, to receive that emotional support that they need to heal from their recoveries. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if, if they have medical experience, uh, sorry, medical expenses, if they need help with, then we can help to some extent. Uh, but, you know, more so we're, we're more concerned about the emotional health 
yeah. uh, really. And, and it, I mean, it's really kind of, it happens together, physical and emotional, but uh, just helping them get back up after encountering such severe burn injury yeah. and letting them know that they can in fact live a good life despite the, the scars that they carry. Because the hardest thing is, is learning to love yourself with mm -hmm. these scars. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of survivors. They may have body parts that are amputated. Their face may be scarred and they're learning to love this new identity and, and the acceptance from others. You know, it's, it's very, very challenging. And so mm -hmm. uh, I really, that, you know, to me, that's my heart and I want to encourage them to uh, love themselves and know that no matter what they, they can, they can live a happy life. There yeah. is hope. So we help fund and do those things just like that. And I'm also looking into doing stuff internationally. There's a burn unit in South Africa I'd love to work with. There's also one in El Salvador. And so I know once things with COVID start, you know, calming down, I would certainly love to uh, go and visit some of those facilities and see how we can make uh, further connection. Mm, wow. It's, um, it, it, you're so right in the sense that, you know, learning to love yourself when you're burned because we the, the scars are horrific it's it's a lot to cope with it's a lot to look at yourself and say well that that used to be well you know perfect but now it's not and i think that the the media magazines everything you know social media is all about how good do i look you know i, I read the other day that even teenagers can take up to 14 selfies um, before they'll decide that one's good enough to even post on social media because they're, they're so concerned that they'll look ugly. And, you know, when we're absolutely bombarded constantly by how do I look, how do I look, how do I look, um, that's, I think that having burns is just like the, the ultimate in can I move through this, you know, and can I love myself for how I look now. And I think that um, you're right, the emotional side, uh, I, well, the physical side would be absolutely horrendous. You know, I can't even imagine, I don't want to imagine, you know, the pain of the of physical burns, but I think the emotional side is the chronic stuff. You know, it just sits there and sits there and sits there until you can feel good about yourself. And I think, um, you know, if it, it, sharing their message is one way you know, that you can start to be, uh, to realize how loved and accepted you are, do you, you know, not despite the, I think it's wonderful. Do you um, re rely on donations, you know, just from the public to keep that foundation up and running? Yes. Yeah. Donations from the public. And as well as whenever I speak and book sales and things like that, there are percentages that go towards funding that, uh, that mission. And so, uh, yeah, that's a big part of it. Yes. Yeah. Oh, all right. And that is the cbfoundation.org. But I am going to put all of these uh, links on in the show notes because I want everyone to go and see all of it because <laughs> it's mind-blowing. Uh, Cody, I've loved this. I've got one more question because uh, I ask this of everybody because it's the Get Off the Bench podcast. So the podcast is to inspire people to get off the bench and do their thing. And some people do wait for adversity um, to happen and then they, you know, they find their, well, their God-given potential and gifts, you know, after adversity what advice would you give to um to for people to get off the bench before adversity happens to to back themselves and just do the thing they're dreaming about mm, that's powerful and i think just you know find the, the need 
that is in the world. And, and you know, there's a, there's a, there's a movie out there that says, you know, uh, see a need, fill a need, something like that. Uh, but really just, but just look to, to serve others, look outside of yourself, serve others. Life is not about you alone and, and we can be successful. We can have a lot of money. There's nothing wrong with being, you know, successful in that realm, but the greatest success in my opinion is the relationships that we form with others and how we're able to serve and be a blessing. And so life takes on a whole new meaning when you look at it in just that light. And so serve others, look to others and find a career path or in your career, find ways to make a difference in the life of somebody else. Encourage somebody, whether it be your spouse, your partner, your children, your coworkers, encourage them. Just say, you know what? I don't know what you're going through today, but I appreciate you. I appreciate you. And I think you're, you know, just letting people know they're appreciated. I think it just, it, it speaks volumes. Not only will it encourage others, but it will also encourage you. It will make you feel better as well. It does, doesn't it? The act of giving actually has immense power for yourself. And I think, you know, exactly what you're saying, when we serve others, we get out of our own way. And, and, and suddenly all the things that are stopping us don't stop us anymore. It's We are the only barrier. But... Cody, I have loved this. I I love you. I think you. I appreciate you. <laughs> you are um, incredible. I tell you, if you if you are listening to this, you need to go to the YouTube uh, clip, which will be in the show notes as well, and have a look because Cody showed his scars before, and you know, just to see that the uh, the to see the visual of of that really put some a uh, lot more context to this conversation. But not that we didn't have context anyway, because boy, wow, what a story but Cody thank you so much for coming and sharing your journey with everybody it's it's so so important and so valuable and I really deeply appreciate it oh my goodness well I love and appreciate you and all that you're providing to our world and it is it is my honor to be connecting with you and I look forward to meeting you in person Oh, I do too. We'll bring you out to Australia. I tell you, there's a few people who could hear your story. <laughs> we might work on that once COVID's over. But <laughs> That'd be wonderful. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining us and um, we look forward to catching up very soon. Thank you. Hey, see ya. <laughs> Bye-bye. Oh, guys, that was absolutely inspiring. If that doesn't light a fire in your belly to get up and go do your thing, well, I don't know what will. You know what I did, though? I got so excited talking to Cody that I forgot to ask him, where can people find you? But uh, his, it's all in the show notes, but his website is codyburns.com, and that's with a Y, Burns with a Y. And his uh, foundation website is the CB Foundation. Org, and he's on Instagram under the Cody Burns and Facebook under the Cody Burns. Oh, look, that was absolutely sensational. And, and it, the, the story itself is horrific. And honestly, go connect with him on Instagram and start following him and have a look down through the feed and you'll see a video, a news clip of the accident and you can see his hand on the steering wheel you can see what he's talking about and it, you I know you'll agree with me that I don't know how the heck he got out of that alive I don't know but um, he did he's here to tell the story what I love is that he picked up the things that he did before even through the frustration and even through the despair and he worked out how am I going to bring this uh, 
back into my life and how can I do this better? And like his mum said, just keep your eye on that vision. I absolutely love it. I, I have nothing but admiration for Cody. I I dread to think what, what the pain of that was, but he's made it through and he's here to share a message of hope and get his book, Scar Release, and I reckon that will be one hell of a read. Anyway, guys, that I hope you enjoyed that. hope it inspired you. Um, I hope that we can appreciate our lives as they are. I hope that we can, you know, not see ourselves as life happening to us and be a victim. I hope that we can see that life does happen for us. And then what are we going to send from us to make the world a better place? And when we serve others, uh, it takes away a lot of pain for ourselves. And, you know, like you said, find the need and feel the need. So, that's it. I hope that's been great. Um, guys, thank you very much for joining me and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Okay, see ya. Hey, thanks for joining me. It really does mean the world to me. Now, if you or somebody you know is doing amazing things, make sure you send me an email to info at getoffthebench.com.au. That's info at getoffthebench.com.au. Otherwise, head on over to my website at kerenvaughan.com and tinker around there a bit and send me a message. Okay, catch you next week.